Netcasts you love. From people you trust. This is Twit. Bandwidth for Security Now is provided by AOL Radio at AOL.com slash podcasting. This is Security Now with Steve Gibson, episode 133 for February 28, 2008, TrueCrypt 5. Security Now is brought to you by Astaro, makers of the Astaro Security Gateway, on the web at www.astaro.com. And by audible.com. For your free audiobook and a whole lot more, visit audiblepodcasts.com slash security now. And by listeners like you. Thanks for your donations. Time for Security Now with Steve Gibson, the show we talk, where in which we talk about securing yourself on the internet, securing your computer, protecting your privacy. Sometimes we talk about protecting your hard drives because that's Steve Gibson's day job. He's the author of Spinrite, the man who coined the term spyware. And uh, his site, GRC.com, is really a haven for people who are f- looking for security online. Hi, Steve. Hey, Leo. Great to be back with you. This is the much-anticipated episode about TrueCrypt version 5. Now, this just came out, uh, what, in January, right? I mean, it's pretty No, nice. actually, in Feb- I think it was February 5th was the day that it, that it came out. Oh, yeah. And, and I, in fact, was- I remember because we were talking about TrueCrypt, and I was bemoaning the lack of a Mac version. Right. And then I noticed on the webpage, it said, we've got one coming. And sh- like two days later, I got about 100 emails. People said, it's here, it's here. Yeah, I'm, I am very, very impressed with everything I've seen. I mean, we loved it when we first talked about it on this podcast back in 2006. And that was a version four point something or other, I believe. And I mean, they had done so many things exactly right. And, and this whole issue of whole drive encryption, first of all, it's captured the attention and imagination of our own audience. There, I think people who have laptops are thinking, wow, you know, this makes sense. And, and it's, it's dicier, though, that is to encrypt your entire system drive, because if something goes wrong, you're hosed. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's game over. And so uh, you're going to love what I have done to test this. I've even created bad sectors and, and, and watched how it handles unreadable uh, and uncorrectable damage on the drive. And uh, I mean, bottom line is they nailed this whole aspect. I, I, I will use this without hesitation uh, anywhere. It would be useful to encrypt the entire system drive. And of course it also provides as we know from the past, many other features, one of which we're going to talk about because it it segues perfectly into the podcast we're going to have in two weeks where we have the founder of Iron Key on to talk about his hardware-encrypted USB thumb drive solution, and and we'll be able to compare that with this, this aspect of TrueCrypt. Cool. Now, before we do that, let me just mention Astaro, if I may. Oh, please do. Yeah, Staro is our sponsor, as always. They have been for several years. Well, this is the third year now that they've been sponsoring Security Now, and it's a natural match because Staro is the maker of the premier UTM, Unified Threat Management Boxes, the Staro Security Gateway used by many, many businesses all over the world. It's a, a complete, I mean, it's not just a, it's, it looks like a router, but boy, it does so much more. Uh, not just a firewall, uh, it adds remote access. VPN using SSL, of course, all the protocols you'd expect, IPsec, L2TP over IPsec, PPTP tunneling. Um, it is the only UTM appliance, I think, on the market with, with such a wide range of VPN solutions. It does transparent encryption using OpenPGP or SMIME so that your uh, users can, you know, without their knowledge, in effect, are doing digital signing, digital encryption and decryption. It's all automatic. And naturally, of course, it filters against all the viruses. There's two kinds of web filters uh, for viruses. There's a content filter uh, virus, antivirus. So that's three antiviruses on it. Anti-spyware. It's got control of, you know, complete content filtering, control of IM and peer-to-peer um, firewall, intrusion protection. I mean, I could just go on and on. But the, really the best thing to do is to try an Astaro Security Gateway in your business. They've got free demo units waiting for you. Demo units are standing by. If you call 877 877- 
the number 4, Astaro. That's 877, the number 4, A-S-T-A-R-O, 877-427-8276. And you can also visit them online, A-S-T-A-R-O.com. Really a great solution uh, if you are currently looking for, particularly if you're a Cisco PIX user and you're looking for a replacement box, because the PIX is, is now uh, end of service. You know, these things are no good unless they update. Astaro has this automatic update process that just, every, you know, practically every day gives you the latest definitions and updates all the software. So it's always rock solid, completely hardened. Uh, if you're a PIX user and you want to move to Astaro, there's a discount for you. Visit them online, astaro.com. We do thank them so much for supporting Security now. <sighs> Let's see. Um, anything well, else you want to deal with from last episode before we get on to true crypt? Um, our listeners don't realize until we tell them that this has been that we're recording this the day after we recorded last week's podcast, which was a day before it was released on Thursday, the 21st. Very confusing. I know. Uh, because you're uh, again up I'm in Vancouver. Up Vancouver uh, I'll yeah. be joining you next month up okay. there. Okay. But um, but this month you're on your own, uh, so we're recording two in a row. Thus, there's been no opportunity for a week to pass with any new security problems or anything. But as always, we will catch up and have two weeks worth of what's been going on in the security world um, when we record our next podcast. Well, let's just knock on wood. Maybe nothing bad will happen all week it's, long. It's been quiet so far. Um, I did want to share – I always look for something – that hasn't been said before um, in these spinwright testimonials that I receive from people, and and I got a kick out of this one. Uh, it's from uh, a listener of ours. Uh, well, I guess many of them are, of course. Jeff Jeff Locke in Portsmouth, Virginia, said, "Steve, I am most well. This the subject was spinwright saved me, of course." He said, "Steve, I am most happy to be writing to you to thank you for the wonderful product spinwright." I'm a regular listener to Security Now and very much enjoy your products and the show with Leo. A week ago, I found my computer completely frozen Mm. and could not get it to respond unless I completely cut the power. Upon reboot, Windows reported an error on my data drive, which holds all my family photos, a wealth of software I've collected, and all the build files for several websites Uh I manage, she says. So Windows said it fixed the drive problem after a check disk, but the system froze again an hour later, and the problem persisted. So I unplugged my data drive, and the computer ran fine for three days straight. After guessing that the data drive had a problem and was giving Windows a problem, I went straight to GRC. Spinrite spent four hours on the drive, found and recovered what appeared to be a bad sector, and I was back in action. Thanks so much for your work on this product. I would also like to tell you that the Spinrite buying experience was the easiest I've ever been through. The shopping cart you wrote was great, and of course, I had no concern about its security. <laughs> love, love the show and spin right, Jeff L. Portsmouth. He raises Virginia, a couple so. interesting questions there. One is that a data disk can affect Windows. You'd think I it'd be completely separate. Yeah, yeah I, I have, I have seen Windows get. It, it, well, it, it's you know the the Windows drivers, the the um, the disk drivers are down on the kernel, so they're they're down where the real plumbing is going on, and there's. There are places in Windows where there actually is no multitasking. That is, there there isn't there are there isn't the ability for the kernel to be whenever it wants to be switching around between tasks. And and it you so the deep kernel problems can lock up the entire system. That explains for, why sometimes Windows will just get stalled. Yes, it exactly. Exactly. So and, you're saying if there's bad data on the data on the data disk, it can lock up Windows because it's stalled trying to read. It's exactly. It's stalled trying to read or gets itself into. I mean, there there are some some funky modes that the driver can get into where what it's expecting, the way it's expecting the drive to perform and and get back to it doesn't happen, and it just gets itself tangled up. I mean, probably it's the sort of thing that if 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 it could be if you could induce the problem reliably, Microsoft could fix it. But they don't see it often enough. And so it's just sort of like one of those, ah, well, you know, sort of like the blue screen of death, which unfortunately too many of us see too much of the time. Yeah. Very interesting. The second thing that came up for me was he used check disk and it wasn't enough. Well, how, I mean, we do all have check disk. Doesn't that do kind of the same thing as spin, right? 
Uh, Boy, is that a no. loaded question. Uh, uh, <laughs> a little softball for you, Mr. Gibson. Here you go. I love it. I remember when I, when I, I, I guess it was before DOS 6. Maybe it was DOS 5. I'm not sure now which version, but I had dinner with two Microsoft VPs uh, back in the, in the days when I was writing the, the Tech Talk column for InfoWorld. And it's, it was the version of DOS where they introduced ScanDisk for the first time. And th- th- this was um, Brad Silverberg, whom I really liked, oh, yeah, I and yeah. Brad Chase, uh-huh. um, who I had less affection for, but that's <laughs> another, another story. But uh, Silverberg was just a super guy, and, and they, were, they were self-conscious about the fact that they were about to introduce a disk scanning thing into DOS, because I, I had I had SpinWrite for many years, and I remember over dinner them saying, "Now, Steve, you know this isn't going to affect sales of SpinWrite at all. Um, you know, so ScanDisk doesn't do anything like what SpinWrite does." And of course, for the entire balance of my life, <laughs> I was trying to explain to customers why SpinWrite was different than ScanDisk. Because we know. assume, hey, it's a disk checker. It scans a disk so isn't that the same thing same it's thing, like right? uh no you're doing a much lower level you're doing you're working a lot harder and check disk really is just looking for some very simple errors in the file system it's yeah, not even yeah. looking at sector reads right yeah well one way to put it might be that 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 scan disk or check disk um are sort it's sort of they, they want the drive to have a problem so that they have something to do spin right doesn't when spinwright's done it doesn't want the drive to have a problem that is you know spinwright is about repairing things scan disk and 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 check disk are sort of about finding file system problems and so it's it's the reason for example you run them before doing something else you want to make sure the file system is okay and you know they basically say oh look we found some lost clusters well we move them over into a file here you go but they're not about they're much more about the higher level file system than the low level. And if they run across a low level problem, they don't do anything to fix it. They just say, ow, uh, this, you know, we can't finish. We can't complete. In fact, it's funny when, when they, um, when they added their own partition compression to DOS, which was, I'll never forget that version. That was DOS six, which caused me to, to kill spin, three, just as I was getting ready to release it, because it didn't support that natively. And it's like, oh, no. I mean, so I couldn't be pr- releasing a new version of SpinRat, which I don't do very often, and not have it support the drive compression built into that was then going to be built into DOS. So, oh, I that's remember why that. I, yeah, disk disk was a drive space. Drive space, oh, exactly. Oh, what a nightmare that was. And, and one of the things that drive space would not do is compress your drive if there was a single problem on it and back then many people did have problems on their drives and so we actually sold a lot of copies of SpinWrite because it would fix the drives which would then allow drive space to perform its compression operation and actually the same was true with the fat 32 converter remember when FAT32 support first came out, and then you, you were able to convert your non-FAT32, your 32-bit FAT, into a 32-bit one, which everyone wanted because it had lots of you know better features, upper and lower case text support and other things. Right. Um, and again, if there was any problem on your drive, that would fail. And so we sold copies of SpinWrite to people who you know wanted to be able to convert to FAT32, but they couldn't without having SpinWrite fix the problem. Now, so, now watch this amazing segue. You know, the same problem that happened with drive space, if you have a little error with drive space, the whole thing's messed up, seems like the same kind of problem you'd have with whole drive encryption. In fact, I think they're very, in, in a way, they're very similar. You're, you're taking the drive and turning it into one big file in drive space. Does, does TrueCrypt do the same thing with whole drive encryption, make a big encrypted blob? No, no. Because um, that was a real flaw, I think, in well, space. Tr- true space. TrueCrypt runs in a number of different modes. The way it ran prior to version 5, where they added this notion of, of pre-boot authentication and the ability to have your, your system partition encrypted, that's what's new in 5. So, so the various modes it can run in is you can, you can give it a file – 
which it will encrypt and and essentially convert it into a mountable drive letter. So, for example, you you could just have a file on your hard drive on e on on any hard drive or for example on a USB thumb drive and and TrueCrypt is able to to mount that as a drive letter and in the process perform on the fly encryption decryption of any data coming and going from from that drive which is actually just a file somewhere so it can do that it can also do the same thing with a partition it can do the same thing with a a whole physical device itself so those are the those are the three modes it's always been able to run in and then what was added which really has brought it to a lot of people's attention they added the ability to to encrypt the actual system drive which which you couldn't do before and the, the reason that's tricky and this is what we've been talking about really for the last 2 weeks first in the context of the free compusec program and then we talked about it a lot during last week's Q&A and the idea is that if you if your your system volume your system partition your c drive if it's completely encrypted then windows the windows files the windows code the registry i mean everything you need in order to to do anything is encrypted so you need you need something on the outside which will which will decrypt the windows system the windows operating system files itself until they get going and then you need something on the inside that is in windows which will seamlessly hand off that encryption task so that when windows takes over control from the the external booting process it also is able to transparently handle encryption and decryption of itself essentially so so it requires these two components and uh, i've been extremely impressed with the way this was implemented um when you when you install uh, truecrypt and it's still a very small easily downloadable exe and as we've said now for the last couple of weeks it is all open source the source is available so everything that they've done is there and the documentation documents what they've done so even you don't have to go in and, and read all the code i mean they lay out the format of the headers which they which which is the preamble before for example an, an an encrypted partition it's like this is how this data is and so they they're like they're they're not relying on obscurity at any level for the security of the system That's and good. they i mean then they've really gone security happy with this thing so so to give you a sense for for how how committed to the safety of this process they are. And then this goes way beyond what free CompuSec did. And it's one of the reasons that I've completely switched over to TrueCrypt for this solution. When you when you want to compress your, your system drive, you run TrueCrypt in Windows in that drive. And it and you you select encrypt encrypt system drive. And I'm paraphrasing here, but it's easy to see from from the UI. That brings up a, a menu or a, 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 a list of, do you want to encrypt, um, uh, oh, is this drive a single boot or multi-boot? And, and in my case, I'm just booting just the standard OS. I don't have anything else there. Um, it, it does support um, multiple OSs. It supports, of course, um, Linux and Mac, although not, as I, as I understand it, not yet in this full drive encryption, but you but you are able to uh, to essentially still boot unencrypted operating systems if you have if you're using Windows multi boot loader. They only support Windows multi boot loader, or there is a way that you're able to use um, the Linux uh, multi boot. Um, I can't Lilo or Grub or uh, Grub. Grub. You're able to okay. you and and they give Grub as an example. You can't have Grub on the on the boot sector, but apparently it's possible to move Grub to a partition. Yeah, and Grub, so, both Grub and Lilo. In fact, I think any bootloader in Linux can live on the 
boot partition, not on the master boot record. Ah, and that's exactly it. Yeah, because so if, so, if you took over the master boot record, this whole thing would fall apart. Well, and in fact, the, the, okay, so, so l- l- let me go back to this procedure because we'll, we'll see how safe they have made this. So you say, okay, yes, I want to, I want to encrypt my system partition. So the first thing you do is, as we've seen in prior versions of TrueCrypt, they start generating random stuff. And they show you a little window of hex randomness and tell you to move your mouse around. You know, and the more erratic and randomly you move it, the better your your randomness is going to be. It's like, oh, okay, I mean, this is like so overkill, but it's, <laughs> it's typical of these guys. I mean, they, they don't tell you that they're also taking all kinds of random stuff from your system, from the clock, from the from various serial numbers, from 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 globally unique IDs. I mean, they're they're starting with something where I mean, you could unplug your mouse and this thing would still be massively random. And, and this like, is designed because uh, pseudo, the pseudo-random number generators of computers, uh, if you know where they begin generating numbers, you can, you can predict what the next number will be. So this way they use these seeds, these completely chaotic seeds, or to, to seed it, right? Well, so it yeah, our- except, except that, for example, in, a, in the case of a static pseudo-random number, that wouldn't matter. What you're talking about was important, for example, for... For the for the keys being used dynamically for generating SSL connections, right, right. where where you could make some guesses about what the next key would be of the next SSL so, connection, because Windows doesn't have a very good pool of entropy right. that, that 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 it works from. But so why do they I mean, get all this tr- trouble then? I would. Ask. Uh, it's a just feel good. Extra. I just it's I just, just wanted. <laughs> yeah, I just I wanted to bring this up because I don't want our user to sit here. You know, messing with their mouse for an hour, just sitting there sc- scrubbing it and scrambling it, and, and you know, boun- bouncing it on their desk and spinning it around by its tail, thinking that that's going to give them a better key. I mean, literally, it's already really good. Right. It, it's not possible, and that's one of, one of the things I like about these guys is, I mean, they've really, really concerned themselves about the security. It's not possible to have TrueCrypt give you a bad key right. it, before it even touches you. It's already got. A fantastically random key. So it's like, okay, fine. I, you know, I, I like that they've done this, but I just want our users to know they don't have to sit here and worry about how long they need to scrub their mouse before. I've seen other things do that. I think uh, PGP, some other programs do that when they're generating. Yeah, it's it's, it's a feel good measure. Yeah. Okay. So so now you generate all this this pool of randomness, and from that it generates your master keys. Well, um, then. Unlike, again, free CompuSec that has none of this, it builds for you an ISO file, which you have to burn to a CD. This is your recovery disk. Right. And, and at first I thought, yeah, 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 yeah. So like, I'm, this, is like, this is just a, a, a scrap machine. I mean, I mean, I've been using it for the last couple months uh, and, and recently with free CompuSec. I mean, I've got images. I, I can re-image it. I don't care about it. So I tried to say next. And he said, wait a minute, you didn't do it. And it's like, wait, whoa, <laughs> what? I said, you know, it's like you have to make an ISO, you have to burn a CD or DVD and then and prove it to us. And it's like, oh, come on. So, you know, I, I have all these coasters lying around here now because I've for a while I was doing that. Then I found something that would allow me to fake it out. But I mean, they are, they are, these guys are really serious about protecting you from yourself, and you're so, and you and you're saying that you did this because it was a test machine. You didn't care if you hosed it, but it, you should make this disc if you're going to do this. You don't have a choice. I mean, yeah. you have That's to. They're right to require to, it. Yes, you have to really work yeah. to fake it out. Um, so and don't I, don't work so to I, fake it out. Yeah. Is what so I'm don't saying. Work, <laughs> so don't work to fake it out. Yeah. Um, burn. So so you burn a little, uh, and I have a little mini CD. So they're they're small coasters. Um, uh, that don't take line. It's a very small ISO. It takes no time to, to do it. Then you have to put it back in the drive. If your CD burning software spit the disc out as mine does, put it back in the drive, then hit next and let true, true crypt sniff the disc. Oh, and the other thing it's doing is it is re-verifying that the image it made and that it's able to properly read. So, so again, it's, it's verifying that you got a good burn of your CD. So it's useful for that too. So so then it, so now now it's made you make a an emergency recovery CD and we'll talk about what that contains in a second. Then it's like okay, you've made your CD. Now 
Hold on a second. Okay, now we've just put our bootloader on your hard drive. Now we're going to, we're not doing an encryption yet. We're going to make sure that it works. So we're going to shut down and reboot. See you in a minute. And so it's, it gives a pop-up of dialogue. You say, yes, fine, shut down now. <laughs> so now you reboot, and you're taken to TrueScript's boot screen where you have no choice but to enter your password. Now, I try, I, again, in trying to like really push the limits here, I said, eh, escape. Well, escape bypasses its bootloader, and since I had not encrypted Windows, Windows came up. Oh. And, tr- and cr- TrueCrypt says, uh, no, good try. You cheated. Go back and try again. <laughs> it really nannies you on this. Uh, it does. It's funny. We are not, not going to get faked out here. We are not going to encrypt your system unless you prove to us you can enter the password. And again, that's good. So it's like, okay, fine, reboot. So now I'm at TrueCrypt's screen again, and I type in my passphrase. Oh, and mine is, um, uh, it, I don't know, it's like. You're going to tell 18, us your passphrase? Oh, No, no, no. I was just trying to count the characters. Uh-huh. It's 18 characters long. I was using my fingers to count right there. Okay, that's not long enough for it. So it's, <laughs> I mean, so when I, when I give this gnarly 18, I mean, it looks like the keyboard broke, right? Uh-huh. I know no one could ever duplicate this. No. Uh, passwords less than 20 characters long are not considered safe. Uh, if you make us go forward, we will, but we're going to grumble. It's like, oh, yes, I want to use my 18-character impossible-to-repeat passphrase. And so, but it's, again, it's like saying, eh, you know, that may not be long enough. It's like, okay, it's long enough for me. Besides, this, this whole thing is going to last about an hour before I scrub it off and do something else with it. So, so I give it my password phrase then it goes back into windows and says okay so what we've proven now is we've proven we've got a a recovery cd we've proven that the bootloader we we put on the first track of the hard drive successfully worked that is you know it was recorded it worked and you properly typed in the passphrase which baby you are really gonna need from now on so so it's like don't forget now, it. <laughs> now, now we will encrypt your hard drive. It's like yeah. okay, finally. So this thing does a beautiful job. It brings up a dialogue. It shows you what percentage with three decimal digits of accuracy. It estimates. Uh, does estimate how much time is remaining or how much it spent? I don't remember it, but it shows you time passing in one way or the other. And you're in Windows, so you can use Windows now. It is sluggish. Um, I mean, it's got the hard drive saturated. The drive light is on solid. And while Windows is still functioning, I wouldn't go and try to do any 3D rendering or play a game or do anything that, that requires much of the system. You could, you, know, you could probably answer your email, but that's about it. Because, I mean, it is seriously working the system and just saturating the drive. Um, it runs on a, on a slower older machine with an with a 40 gig max stored ata um it ran about um two minutes per gig so that 40 good gig drive took 80 minutes to compress well that's a long time um on a newer machine with an SATA, a SATA drive, it was one gig per minute. Okay. So, you know, well, and, and Leo, you know, here we go. Oh, how many gigs do you have? I mean, this is, this is billions of bytes. Oh, yeah, I understand. So, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, people yeah. are very cavalier about the size of their drives. And, of course, they grumble about Spinrite. Oh, it took, you know, two days. It's like, yes, because, you know, we're moving an incredible amount of data. So, I mean, it's, it's literally, it is reading, in, in the case of TrueCrypt, it is reading every sector, it is in some block, it is encrypting them all, then it's writing them back. And it's making a note of where it is. Because remember, in order to do this on the fly while Windows is working, that encryption Oh, that's process, amazing. So that's a good point. Windows, is, you could, you're still using Windows. Yes, and so imagine here's your drive in front of you. This this veil of encryption is being pushed from the front of the drive wow. through the entire partition, encrypting files on the fly. So, while so at some point a chunk of the be- the beginning of the drive is encrypted, 
The rest of it is not because we're moving along, taking you know. So you have to wait. You have to two. watch Windows, and when it asks for a sector, you have to unencrypt it and give it to it. If it's a sector that you've already, you've already encrypted, done it. right? And if and not if it's a one you haven't right. gotten to. Now, does so it do? The, is it is it file aware or when it's doing this whole disk encryption, or is it really just going sector by sector? No, no, it is sector by sector. Okay. I mean, it is, and, and again, you you want that because so it would have know, to, yeah, because it would just slack space and so forth. Exactly. Yeah. You uh, you know deleted deleted files right. and your your um uh uh swap file uh, and all that stuff. But it, if you didn't encrypt that, uh, you'd be a problem. But I guess it could encrypt those things. But if you're going to grow the file or whatever, you really want the whole thing encrypted. But I could see now why it's taking a long time because it's even doing empty space. Well, yes, but conceptually, Leo, I mean, it's important that we that we understand conceptually. This is entirely different. I mean, this is entirely different from anything TrueCrypt has done before. In the past, there's this notion of turning a file into a drive and, you know, having a container file that contains a drive. You know, this is every physical sector of the drive. And, of course, the reason people would do this is they want maximum security from from any i mean any possibility that any of their data on their drive can get loose right. so i mean so for laptop users this makes so much sense mm-hmm. because unless you enter your passphrase which is mixed with the master key which which essentially creates the master key to do this decryption that entire drive looks like random noise it looks like static and one of the cool things is you never have to worry about wiping the drive to decommission it this is the, this is a a wipe in progress essentially right. as it moves through this so so eventually this process finishes and then you get your computer back you know it's no longer super busy any longer and and it works exactly as it did before now if you then reboot for example and you and you come up to TrueCrypt's loader. You hit escape, nothing happens. You've said bypass the decrypting bootloader phase, and nothing happens. Um, I know, for example, that it's actually trying to boot Windows because at one point when I was when I was messing around with how imaging drive imaging affects this, I just restored a saved image of the whole system without changing that bootloader so it was still there and so it comes up and says you know what's your password well okay that's not going to work because i've just restored an unencrypted version of of the windows file system the windows drive right you know on top of what was previously encrypted so i thought huh now what well i hit escape and windows booted because it was it was no longer encrypted because i had restored an unencrypted an unencrypted drive sort of in place right over what I had before. So, um, you know, this thing, it, it, it holds your hand. It verifies what it's doing. It, it is incredibly safe. So I decided, okay, I'm going to really stress this thing. So I went into to the NTFS file system. And, oh, and, and I had, um, I restored, I think maybe I decrypted it. At first, but I, or I had restored the image. I think maybe I did that because it was a lot faster. And I found early on the drive, about 18 megs into the drive, I found a free cluster, and and it happened to be sector number 37,299. Sector 37,299 was not in use by the file system. Okay. So I, using some tools that I have that are proprietary tools of mine that I use for developing SpinWrite, I damaged that sector. I have hmm. the ability to create bad sectors. Not physical damage, but soft damage. No, physical. You've, well, I'm, I mean, I'm not bouncing the head, <laughs> but I mean, I, 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 can, I can deliberately create a bad sector that ECC cannot recover, really? that the drive will refuse to read wow. and refuse to relocate, so nothing will fix it. It is, it, it is just sitting there and absolutely uncorrectable and unreadable, unwritable. I mean, it's just dead. You better not let that tool get in the hands of 
<laughs> no, no. I, I, as I said, I, this is this is stuff, stuff I have. I like that. <laughs> this is stuff I have that I use wow. in, 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 for, for spin right development and testing. So I, I created an absolutely bad sector because I wanted to find out what would happen if I was encrypt if I was encrypting this drive and it had hit a sector it could not read. Mm-hmm. I mean. Early in the process, I didn't want to wait an hour for yeah. it to get to a sector toward the end. So I fired up TrueCrypt. I said, oh, I went through all the hoops again and, you know, burned the, the CD because I thought, well, maybe I'm going to really need this depending upon how badly this hoses things and and started up the process. Almost immediately, it stopped and it said, you have a, uh, a CRC, cyclic redundancy check error on your drive. You, if you have a problem with your hardware, not this is not a TrueCrypt problem. And it's funny because it said, don't call us. <laughs> it's don't, not our problem. <laughs> don't, don't send us anything. Don't complain in the forums. This is a, this is, you know, go call your computer vendor. There's something wrong with your drive, your cabling, or your motherboard, and we can't do anything. Okay, but I'm thinking, oh, yeah, but you just did 18 megabytes of something, which, you know, is... Because I I'm I'm um, defragging and putting all the Windows files at the front of the drive so that they boot faster. So I was like, you know, Windows is in that first 18 megs. So now what? So I'm thinking, well, but it, you know, it was everything was still working. So I was like, uh, okay, let's reboot. So I rebooted, and it asked me for my passphrase. I put in my passphrase. Windows came back up. Huh. I was like, because because uh, Crew Trip hadn't done anything. No, it had encrypted the first 18 megs of the drive. Oh. Or well, I wasn't sure at that point, okay? okay. Cuz I mean it it I got there pretty quickly. Right. So, then I went in, oh, and I got a dialog box when I came back in and it said, "There was an encryption process interrupted. Would mm. you like to continue?" Oh. And it's like, "Oh, well, thank you very much. I would." So I said, "Yes." And immediately, bang, you have a problem, you know, same same message again. So it it knew where it failed. And it tried again mm-hmm. right on that sector. And so I was unable to proceed. So so if you have um, a bad sector like that, it will not do the drive encryption. Well, it yes, exactly. It stops and it will not proceed. Now, is maybe, that, is that well, how it should do? Well, shouldn't it just map that sector out? Or? Well, no, I don't mean to tell you that you need to buy Spinrite, but Spinrite would fix that for you. But, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but, but it would be nice, I guess. If it could say, do you want to proceed past this problem? But these guys are being beyond careful. They, yeah, well, that so, makes sense. They don't want you to continue to do it. If there be any problem down the road, they just say, yeah, look, we're not, gonna, we're not going yeah, to I mean, we're not going there. Exactly. I mean, I know exactly what the problem was because I manually right. created it on the drive. But somebody else. So, OK, so two different there's two different courses of actions. Now, you cannot proceed. So I thought, OK. Let me choose the permanently decrypt volume option in the menu. So I did that, and it went zip. I mean, it took like no time, and it said, okay. And it's like, oh, okay. So then I rebooted Windows, and this t- and it asked you for my passphrase, but I knew that, that it was the, the, the volume wasn't encrypted, so I hit escape, bypassing the decryption boot, and Windows booted. So everything was back to normal. It had decrypted that first 18 megs that I had assumed had been encrypted because, I mean, it did – it went zip and, you know, did something. So then, I thought, okay, let's try this whole thing again. So this time I did the same thing, got up to that 18 meg point, sector 37299, bang, stops. Okay, this time I went – I rebooted and I hit – um, escape. No, I hit something. I, don't, I think it's maybe F2 for options. There are some options – when you're booting, one of them was um, decrypt this partition. So it's like, oh, okay. So it knows it's encrypted, or at least partially. So I, it made me put in my passphrase again, of course, because you can't let you know anyone come along and just decrypt your partition, or what would be the whole point? Then with I was so pleased, I saw it go 18, 17, 16, 15, 14, 13. It counted down rapidly from 18 megs, knowing how in now this is outside of windows so this is the bootloader portion was able all by itself to decrypt that only as much of windows as had been encrypted before i hit this error 
I'm just, I'm completely impressed with the way this thing works. Wow. So they, it sounds like they did everything right. Okay, well, I got a, I got a killer one for you. Now, remember that I was benchmarking free CompuSec? Oh, and, yeah. And I thought, okay, we got to find out what kind of an overhead so, uh, we have So just to here. recap, what, you get what, about, a, uh, I think you said a 5 to 10% hit with free CompuSec? It was a 9, 9%, 9% overhead. Okay. Okay, well, I haven't computed the overhead. Why not? Here. Because it's faster with encryption. <laughs> no, that's not right. I am not. You have a divide you. by zero error here. I don't know. I, I, I okay. So I, I, I wrote a little batch file using that end timer tool and and the Windows defrag and vopt and Windows defrag. I ran those three in sequence with no encryption. Windows defrag took eight minutes and thirty five point seven six five seconds. VOP took four minutes and 31.046 seconds. And then a final Windows defrag took a one minute and 54.765 seconds. Okay, so just, just look at the first number, eight minutes and 35 seconds. I did it. I did it again. That is, I restored the image, ran the script again, and it was nine minutes and one second. So, you know, about eight minutes and 45 seconds on average. And, and the differences are just we're doing a lot of head seeking. And so... Where the disk's rotation happens to be is going to affect oh, timing yeah. a little bit. Okay, that makes sense, yeah. Okay, so it's like, okay, so I'm seeing like, you know, eight and a half to nine minutes to do the first defrag of a very well-fragged image. And this is the image where I went from Service Pack 2 and applied those 95 um, patches and rebooted oh, God, a whole bunch of yeah, times. So, yeah. I mean, it, it mangled up the drive, right. so it was nicely fragged. Okay, then <laughs> I... I, I restored that image, the super fragged image, and I encrypted it. Then I ran the defragger in the encrypted system. The first time, it took 6 minutes and 13.531 seconds, down from 8 and a half down, or 9 Down minutes. a lot. Yes. I mean, that's, not second, in, that's, that's a significant difference. I know. This is, it makes Windows much faster. This so, can't be true. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not okay. The second time I thought, what this? You know, I can't have a smaller number with encryption. So I did the whole thing again. Restored the image, re-encrypted it. Six minutes and twenty-one point seven six five seconds. Wow. So twice it was eight thirty-five and then nine oh one, unencrypted. Then with encryption, it was six minutes thirty-one seconds. I'm sorry, six minutes, then 13 seconds, six minutes, 21 seconds. Okay, so then I'm thinking, okay, come, what is going on? So I went back to no encryption, uh, final sanity check, back to the original, back up to eight minutes and 21 seconds. So do you have a theory for why this is doing that? Well, they say on their web page that they've got 100% pipelining of some sort. They've uh, apparently once upon a time... It was too slow, and boy, did they fix it. So it sounds like they've kind of written new drive read routines that have well, to, I guess, right? They ought to send them to Microsoft because <laughs> yeah, no kidding. It, it this runs, is a typical open source. Take that, Microsoft. That's so it runs, funny. It runs faster under TrueCrypt than it does without. That, it's just amazing and great. I, I love it. I, I, I mean, there's like so. There's no overhead. That's not a problem. That won't be causing anyone any headaches. Wow. Um, now, the, the, uh, the, uh, this oh, was oh. something that they used to say about drive space, too, was when you compressed it, you would get a faster read because you could read the data in faster, which would... That's not the case here, though, because this is changing. The same, the, it's not changing the size at all. Right. Exactly. It's just doing an in-place symmetric cipher. In fact, it uses AES. Oh, that's another thing where overkill... Um, you know, you're able to chain together multiple ciphers, so you could do AES followed by Blowfish or Twofish, or you know, <laughs> it's it. like, come on, folks. You know, no one needs any more. There's you severe know. paranoia going on here, but you know, the people who use TrueCrypt are very paranoid, right? And I, again, I don't want to promote that in this case because AES 256-bit key 20. is is absolutely yeah. fine. Yeah. It's all anyone needs. So, you know, I mean, maybe before we had that, when, when your option was like triple DES, they also had some 64-bit ciphers. That is a, a cipher with a 64-bit block size. And, what again, what I love about these guys is they're like, okay, that's no longer safe. We will still support that 
on volumes that have been encrypted by older versions of TrueCrypt, and the person chose a 64-bit cipher. But we will, we will refuse, even though we have those ciphers inside of us, because we have to in order to be backward compatible, we're not going to build any new volumes under any circumstances with a cipher that isn't at least 128 bits wide. Has a 128-bit block length. So that's it's, actually, it's, that's great. It and, is. And it really yeah. is cool. So the other thing, the, uh, to, to wrap up this issue of full drive encryption, because then I want to cover the, the traveler mode uh, f- briefly. The other thing I really like about this is for a person like me that you know is a tweaker and really wants a minimal environment, I wanted to see whether I needed TrueCrypt XE and all of its – well, not that there's a lot of files – but like, no, do I, need, do I need it running at startup? Do I need it sitting there in my tray all the time? Say that all I want is whole drive encryption. All I want, and this is like, you know, for, for a, an office computer, I'd, where the, the only thing you want is when you boot it up, they have to type in the passphrase. That way, if someone steals the drive in the middle of the night, they get nothing. You know, that was what originally brought me into looking at free CompuSec. Right. And the answer is you need nothing. The, there's a truecrypt.sys driver, which you, of course, have to have. That's the key for being able to perform on-the-fly decryption. But you can, you can re- completely remove the rest of TrueCrypt, take it out of startup, not have it running. You need none of that in order for your drive to be encrypted. You can't you, – you, you, you can – oh, and, of course, thanks to the bootloader, having the ability to decrypt you – you you could even take yourself back out without ever needing TrueCrypt again. So a a minimal configuration would use TrueCrypt to perform the encryption, and then you can take it out, not have it start up, not have it you know always there in the tray because the, you only need that for like mounting and unmounting other volumes and doing other things with TrueCrypt than doing whole drive encryption. I mean this is it is just beautiful. That's neat. I really, really, really like it. Now, I should talk a little bit about the recovery CD. The only thing you can do when you boot the hard drive is you're able to bypass it completely um, or you're able to um, enter your passphrase. If you enter your passphrase, you can go into Windows, that is, boot a, a the encrypted partition, or you you are able to say, I want to remove encryption from this drive right now. And that the sort of like an emergency decryption. You can also, as I did, do it in Windows where you're able to kind of use Windows at the same time, although the system is really busy. Um, but again, you're able to, from the bootloader, bring your system back to non-encrypted status. Okay, you can do more things with the recovery CD, which is one of the reasons they make you they make you create this and don't give you any choice about it at all. Um, and let me find my notes here because there was a whole bunch of things that you were able to do. It's pretty amazing. Okay. While you're looking through your notes, let me just do an audible ad. How about that? Perfect. Give you a moment to uh, find more good things to say about TrueCrypt. I think just the one, the fact that it gives you good encryption and speeds up your drive kind of says it all, really. <laughs> but we'll, we'll get to more about uh, TrueCrypt 5. Absolutely free to. And now Mac, Windows, and Linux. But I do want to recommend a book from Audible.com. Audible is a sponsor of this podcast and almost all the Twit podcasts. Uh, if you want to get a, a free book, you can go to audiblepodcast.com slash security now and uh, sign up for audible.com. Uh, and you get to do it for two weeks for free just to see if you like it. And you get a credit toward a free book. Now, I, I like to pick books that Steve would like to read. I don't know if you've read this one. It's called Predictably irrational the hidden forces that shape our decisions i don't know if you ever read freakonomics which is a wonderful book about that really showed how economics and using the tools of economics can tell you a lot about why things are the way they are economics is everything yeah and i just love that book this is i haven't read this yet but i'm really excited about reading it. just put it on my list it's by a guy named dan ariely and um the 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 questions he answers are things like why do headaches persist after taking a one cent aspirin but disappear when we take a 50 cent aspirin? Or why does 
Uh, let's see. Uh, why do we splurge on a lavish meal but cut coupons to save 25 cents on a can of soup? Or why do we go back for second helpings at an unlimited buffet even when we're full? How do we start? How do we ever start spending $4.15 on a cup of coffee when you could used to be able to get it for a quarter? What happens? Why do we make these decisions in our lives? And why do we do these irrational things? This guy's a behavioral economist at MIT. Really, really interesting stuff. So if you liked Freakonomics, I think this is... Uh, similar stuff. I've read very good reviews of it, and it is brand new. You can listen to it, and this is what I like. I, a lot of times, there's great books that I want to read, and I can't find a time to read them. My my bedside table is piled with books that I just I'm halfway through, or a quarter of the way through, and I just can't get you know I can't read enough fast enough. The nice thing about audiobooks, you read when you're in the car, you read when you're working out. Those times you can't do anything else because your hands are busy and your mind is maybe occupied doing something like working out or driving. You can still listen to books, and I get so much reading done that way. What a great way to start. Predictably Irrational, The Hidden Forces That Shape Our Decisions, one of 45,000-plus titles. They've got radio shows, newspapers, magazines, uh, specials. This is a great service. Audible, A-U-D-I-B-L-E.com. And uh, to get your free book, your credit toward a free book, go to audiblepodcast.com slash security now. It's a great match. Security now and audible.com. Have you found more uh, things in your list? Yes, and I'm glad I had a chance to browse through my notes here a little bit because there are a couple there's really a important things. Well, there's a couple <laughs> really important things we haven't covered either. So okay. remember one of our questioners in last week's Q&A told us about the collision he discovered between dream, dream weavers, macromedia's oh, yeah. dream weavers, um, DRM or activation or whatever you want to call it, right. and the bootloader. Well, were it not for that CD, he would have lost his entire system. Right. Because when he activated Dreamweaver, it overwrote something in, in the first track of the drive, which, as we said last week, is, is a bad thing for some software, some random application software to ever do, you know, step outside of the partition. is just bad idea. But it did. Fortunately, he had his rescue CD. So if the, if the bootloader becomes damaged in any way, the rescue CD is able to restore the original bootloader code to repair that first track. If the passphrase, if you were to type, if you were typing in your passphrase correctly, but the system says it's wrong, that would that would be caused by something having messed up the master key and some other critical management data for the decryption. So again, the CD is able to restore that if anything mangles it. Or if the bootloader area were to become infected by malware, such as, for example, the track zero rootkits we've been talking about. Mm. A track zero rootkit, the, the point is it would be running um, it would be running at boot time. Right. And you certainly wouldn't want to have a rootkit. You'd like be forced to boot from the hard drive in order to get decryption. Right. Yet in the process, you'd be l- allowing the rootkit to run. So the CD can itself provide the booting code staying completely off of track zero and the cd will 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 um um hook interrupt 13 uh, load itself get windows going so you're able to still boot windows with full use not touching track zero at all um and finally if windows is for example itself damaged and refuses to start then you could either use the, as, as we said, the, the boot code in track zero, or also the CD has a copy of that, and it's able to independently, um, permanently de- decrypt the drive. And finally, um, if when you first install TrueCrypt, whatever you originally had on track zero, it gets largely overwritten by all this TrueCrypt code. A copy of that is on the CD. So you're able to restore the uh-huh. original track zero to its original condition. And, you know, TrueCrypt is, is essentially completely removed then from the, from the low area of the drive. Another reason to make that CD. Oh, yeah. There's, well, you, you have no choice. Yeah. And again, you know, encrypting one's whole drive is a scary thing. But these guys have nailed it. I mean, it is, they have made it so safe and, and so so bulletproof against anything that might happen. Now, one thing we talked about, I think in the last, both of the last two episodes, I want to remind people of is that 
at this point in time, the one thing that is not encrypted is the hibernation file. Uh. And the re- it, it, uh, we know that it's possible for a whole system encryption to do that because that's the one thing that free CompuSec does do at the moment, and they're proud of it. So it must be that it's kind of tricky. You can right, imagine right. how it could be because it must be that that the hibernation file, since it's not being encrypted, it's either not able to be decrypted at boot time or it's not able to be encrypted when it's being written. Essentially, the hibernation file is a copy of your RAM and various right. hardware registers and the, you know, the, 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 the dynamic state of the system. And so it's just copied. Uh, however much RAM you have is essentially copied to this hibernation file. And it's, it's after Windows is in, like it's, most of Windows is shut down so that everything is static, yet Windows isn't quite gone. And so its last gasp is to write this file to the drive and the reverse process. But top of their list of, that is the TrueCrypt guys, understand this is a problem. It's, it's the first thing they list as the next thing that they're going to be working on. So this would not be a problem in any system that isn't typically using hibernation. For example, the desktop application that, that I had, like in, in the corporate desktop, where you just want to make sure that if, the, if the, someone spirits this system away in the night, you're not losing any corporate secrets. Um, you know, those systems typically don't use hibernation there. They're, they're just shut down. Um, and what TrueCrypt does, again, in its super make sure there's no way you can hurt yourself mode is it completely disables hibernation if you do the full system encryption is hibernation is just no longer available to you as an option and so that they they protect you that way also it's worth noting that there is at nowhere not even on your emergency rescue cd is there any password recovery and i mean that's really what you want because Password recovery is dangerous. If the CD, for example, had the ability to forgive you for forgetting your passphrase, then that would be a huge security vulnerability. But it won't remember it for you. So whatever it is you choose, (laughs) it is entirely incumbent upon you never to forget it. They put it anywhere on the website. Don't call us if you forget your password. (laughs) We don't know it. And And now the last two things are, are interesting, sort of edge cases of of whole system encryption and that is the where leveling which is exists now in the higher end solid state media and hard drive sector sparing um, we've talked about before many times about how if a if a hard drive sector starts becoming marginal so that the hard drive is seeing that it has to apply more on the fly error correction than uh, than it's comfortable with, it will it will read the sector and correct it one last time, then swap it out of use. Essentially, stop using that physical sector and and use a, a good sector in its place. The problem is whatever data was in that sector at the time is still there. So so although you can't access it through the normal API. There are manufacturer-level means for doing so. That is, that sector, you really cannot get to it from the outside, but it's physically there on the drive. And remember, it's only 512 bytes, but there's over time, they tend to accumulate. So the point is that if you then TrueCrypt your drive, you are TrueCrypting all the sectors currently in use, none which were once in use. Those are gone. They're not available, but they've got they have whatever data they had in them at the time. And and where leveling on a solid state drive is similar. As we know, the 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 technology, the actual chemistry tends to wear out in a given spot. And so so high performance good solid state drives even if you're trying to like rewrite the same spot, for example, well, you w- w- would never want to run Windows um, swap file on one of these. I remember telling our listeners that Mark Thompson, my buddy at Analog X, did Oops. and burnt burned out a um, a drive in like a couple hours yeah. by doing so. Yeah. But the point is, you, you in where leveling, 
even though you think you're writing to the same spot, you can actually be writing to a physically different location, which means that, again, whatever was in the previous location is not been overwritten. And these, these solid-state drives also have uh, extra sectors just for the possibility th- that one becomes damaged. So similarly, you could encrypt your thumb drive and, and TrueCrypt in rewriting, it, it, would, it would read what it thinks is a physical sector and encrypt it and write it back. But it might be writing it back to a different location meaning that the original contents of that sector didn't get overwritten by the encrypted data, as normally is the case on a hard drive. So both of these say, I mean, these are, again, they're edge cases. They're probably really not a huge concern, but the, the, to their credit, again, the TrueCrypt site addresses this. It actually addresses wear leveling. I don't think I saw it talk about sector sparing, but I understand that, that that's a problem. Um, so, if someone was really concerned, the solution is get a new device, get a brand new solid state drive, a brand new thumb drive or a brand new hard drive, and the first thing you do is encrypt it. That is, you put it under TrueCrypt management, Interesting. and if you do that, then it will never be the case that unencrypted data is ever written to that, ever. And, so, and you might have some data integrity protection because of this wear leveling. Sure. Think? Yeah, I mean, I mean, it would kind of help you with that. Well, wear leveling is certainly a good thing, and it does extend the life of, of our little thumb Especially drives. Especially flash them. drives, yeah. Yeah, and, and then that's exactly what we're talking about. So encrypt to improve your flash drive life, among other things. <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah, um, well, the wear, the wear leveling is something that, that happens continuously in the background, j- j- where it's just it's always trying to sort of to even out the amount of exposure. Oh, but the drive does that automatically. Exactly. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought TrueCrypt was doing that. It's just aware yeah. of it. I get it. I get it. I get yeah, it. it's just underneath. Well, actually, it's not aware of it, and it's because and it, it's 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 not aware of it, and it can't do anything about it. Oh, I see. Because it's happening at a level underneath. Got it. It's it's literally at the hardware level. This remapping is going on, typically in large blocks, just to kind of keep things evenly written to across the entire surface of the drive but it does mean that you don't really know when you've encrypted something that you wrote back over the old stuff not that you can read i mean when you read what you wrote you get back what you wrote but technically electronically there's still that data there it's not accessible from the outside but it could be accessible by you know nsa sorts of people i mean people who really really know this stuff and want to see what was there. So if you were really concerned, you just wanted to start fresh in uh, TrueCrypt something before you ever start using it, you never have to worry that anything of yours was was ever there before. It's a beautiful thing. And finally, this this Traveler mode is uh, just spectacular. Um, it allows you essentially to carry TrueCrypt XE and the TrueCrypt Sys, and there is support for 64-bit version or 64-bit OS. It allows you to carry them on the media that is encrypted. So, for example, you could you could you could create a traveler disk from a USB thumb drive, and there's a nice little wizard that walks you through the process of doing so, and um, and you end up with an, an auto-run INF file such that when you plug this in to any computer it po- it runs truecrypt exe that's on the that's on the unencrypted portion of this thumb drive and that has to be unencrypted so that it's able to run it before it starts doing the encryption uh, the on the fly encryption then it prompts you for the password of that is contains the data on the rest of the drive you enter that and it then it creates you will already have a drive letter for for the sort of the outside container, then you it creates another drive letter for what's encrypted and protected on the inside. So you get a second drive letter, and that's your your you know I, you know your inner sanctum contents. Now it's worth noting that you have to have admin privileges because it needs to load the TrueCrypt.sys device driver, 
and non-admins are unable to load device drivers. So what I've done is rather than I have like a, a four gig thumb drive, but I don't really have that much super secret stuff. A lot, I have a lot of random, you know, freeware and utilities that I don't care about having them encrypted. But I also, for example, have my master, you know, Wi-Fi keys and, and other things that, that I really do care about. So because you're creating a, a file that lives on this thumb drive, you can make it any size you want. So I, so, and, and the advantage of that, for example, is that you do not need admin privileges to read all the unencrypted area only to get to your super secret inner sanctum, which is actually what I call the file inner sanctum TC um, on, on the thumb. So, so the point is I would say if that makes sense to people, you know, if you had like a four gig thumb drive, you know, maybe make it half a gig, 512 megs uh, is, is the inner sanctum. And the other three and a half is just there open and in the free so that you, you, you can still get to most of the data without ever needing admin privileges. And if you ever need to get to your really protected, true cryptid stuff, then for that, you would need admin privileges because you're not sure what control you're going to have over the computer that you might want to be plugging this into. Right. Very cool. And it's so free it's, from TrueCrypt.org. It's all free. And Leo, it's open source. <laughs> Thank you. Another I victory. Oh, what that means to you. For the open source community. Uh, no, it's really, but this, this shows you that, you know, sometimes people say, oh, how could you, how could open source uh, write good software? How could it compete oh. with commercial software? Uh, I don't think there's any question it can. This is better than anything I've seen commercially, yeah. Leo. I mean, it is a fantastic, I, I, I can recommend this without hesitation. The only, the only caveat I would have is it's very new. Right. You know, it's right. February 5th. It's a few weeks ago. It already went from 5.0 to 5.0A. Um, and in doing so, they made their bootloader, they reduced the size of their bootloader so that it was less greedy about how much space it needed on track zero. And that allowed it to accommodate other things that might also want to share track zero with it. So, you know, I would say eh, maybe give it a few months, depending on how, you know, cautious people are feeling. I mean, it's it's hard to imagine that there's that with all the testing it's had with i mean if you look at the download counts on their site this thing is being heavily downloaded oh, I'm not lots of yeah. lots of people have jumped on it i mean i i've never had a single bad experience with this and i i just i love the idea that i can create a minimal system where truecrypt is almost not even present where you only see it when when it when you have to type in your passphrase and it's not running in your tray it's not running in the system it's just the device driver that is allowing you know managing the encryption of the whole thing and it's faster than before you installed it <laughs> and that's the amazing thing you know what is also good for your system spin right all the free utilities shields up all the stuff steve does at grc.com including the 16 kilobit versions of this show transcripts uh, show notes. It's all there. G and now thanks to the new menuing system, easy to find grc.com. And, uh, we come back every Thursday to bring you more security news next week, your questions and Steve's answers. So make sure you go to uh, feed the feedback form there and uh, at grc.com and submit your questions for our next episode. Yep, it's grc.com slash feedback, and I will be checking in before we do the Q&A uh, that listeners will hear next week. It's actually going to be two weeks for us in, in real time, but so people will have a week to, uh, to listen to this, play with maybe tr uh, TrueCrypt, and let me know what they think, and we'll be sharing it in our next episode. Good. Thank you, Steve. My pleasure, Leah. Great to talk to you. See you next time on Security Now. Security Now.